0: you have a Bible or an iPad or iPhone, I want to take you first of all to a foundational scripture that we are on, and this is just a theme verse for me. It is Third John chapter two, Third John two. It's just something that. I believe it's on my heart. Maybe you ought to seek the scriptures as far as a theme verse for your own life. Uh, for Metroplex Family Church at this time, Third John 2 is something that's on my heart. It says this simply. It says, I pray that you would prosper in all things, be in health just as your soul prospers. And so let me remind you about that phrasing. It says this, that prospering in all things means success in every, every endeavor of life basically and I think that's God's plan for our lives God wants you to be successful he wants you to have prosperity not necessarily just financial, but success in life, as it says right here, and health. My grandmother used to say, you're a very wealthy person if you're healthy, and uh, I believe that. But notice what it says here, Third John 2, it says that you would prosper in all things, be in health. And the main thing to verse 2 is this, that your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, that would prosper. And so that's my prayer, that's my desire, that's God's plan for your life. And uh, something that's very strong on my heart for 2021, or 2021. And so, uh, let's read it together. Let's read together. It says, I pray that you would prosper in all things, be in health, just as your soul prospers. One more time. I would pray that you would prosper in all things... Be in health just as your soul prospers. And think about that. Think about and see yourself prospering, being successful, and then your health increasing, getting better and better, and then there's that soul prosperity, which is so important. Hey, go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm in a series called Living Forward, and I believe that's something we should do. And I believe as you study the life of the Apostle Paul, he was a master at living forward. You know, his life was not the perfect life as far as, you know, Uh, a person that was sort of born into Christianity. This man actually was an opposition force to Christianity of his time. He was, I like to say it like this, some people don't quote this, but I do. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day. Some of us remember who Osama bin Laden was. But uh, the Apostle Paul was that of his day. And then he had this supernatural conversion and uh, actual... uh, 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 Jesus appeared to him and uh, changed his life and changed the course of Christianity because of that supernatural appearance. But he said some powerful things here. And again, I want to just uh, reiterate some things I've discussed earlier and take it to the next level. Philippians chapter 3, notice what it says in beginning in verse number 10. This is, of course, this is the essence of who the Apostle Paul is. And it's the essence of what we are and who we are at Metroplex Family Church. It states this, that I may know him. Everybody say that I may know him. Not know about him, but to know him. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. It says this, being conformed to his death, by any means I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, watch this. It says, not, I've, not that I've already obtained but I've, or am I already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that which for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold for me. Now, I realize this is sort of King James, or is in the New King James here, sort of terminology. But it says that I may lay hold of that which Jesus has also laid hold of me, for me. So that means Jesus has already obtained something for us. He's already gotten something for you and I. And I think the beautiful thing is here... The Apostle Paul is laying this foundation in verse 12, and then he goes to verse 13, and he says, I do not count myself to apprehend or arrive, but notice what he says, but this one thing, everybody say one thing. Notice this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So what's the Apostle Paul doing here? He's what? He is forgetting the past, which he had to do himself. I mean, you know, again, he was a part in the book of Acts of the stoning of Stephen. And what a horrible thing to think about. I mean, he actually killed Christians in his time before his conversion to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may think you've had a bad year or a bad life or a bad past. Look what this man did. And he ended up writing half of the New Testament, I think it's interesting. He says this, but this one thing. So this was very important to him. He said, this one thing is I forget those things which are behind me and I reach forward. And notice the the phrasing there, he's forgetting, he's reaching, and then in verse 13, he's pressing, or or it says, I press, but he's pressing towards this goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you that living forward in life is to press on. It's not to look back. You can't look back. I wrote a part of a song for a friend of mine uh, many years ago, looking back with no regret was a part of my phrase in, in this particular song, looking back with no regret. And so I think that's what you have to do, but at the same time, the Apostle Paul said, "Hey, forgetting it." And notice, uh, notice what he said: you're forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching for those things ahead. You know, living forward is really seeking God's provision. Notice the phrase there, provision. There's there's provision. There's vision for the provision. You know, God has a vision for your life. And if you're not living forward or moving forward, you're actually moving backward, in my opinion. And so many people are stuck in a rut because moving forward is a decision, a choice. I mean, you may have made mistakes. You may have had bad things happen to you. But if you continually live in that and, and, and really just dwell on that and say to yourself, well, I just don't know if I can ever get past this. Notice what the Apostle Paul... Paul did. He said in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's a man who had a horrible past. I mean, he was a religious zealot. He did horrible things to Christianity, and he ends up becoming the leader of Christianity. I'm telling you, God knows how to take your past, turn it around, and make your future forward. He's the master at doing that. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm me. Hey, you are you. That's the beautiful thing. Maybe you're not going through what the Apostle Paul Paul went through, but at the same time, moving forward is what I'm, I'm trying to get across to you. And you've got to make some decisions to move forward. And I believe as you go back to verse number 12, he knows what he says. I lay hold. To lay hold means to grasp. To lay hold means to, to seize, to to take it in, to obtain it. And notice what he says. He says, I lay hold of that which Jesus has already laid hold for me. So there are three things as I've studied this. And again, I am reading the New Testament over and over again. But prior Primarily, I'm going back to the uh, what they call the Pauline uh, the, the epistles of Paul, the Pauline Revelation, everything that Paul began in the book of Romans, moving forward because this man had such a revelation of I mean, just think about it. He never saw Jesus other than supernatural vision, okay. He was not a part of the original 12. And so I relate to Paul in the fact that, you know, thank God for the original 12. um, Well, except for Judas. (laughs) But the original disciples, I mean, they walked with him, they lived with him, they saw it all. Even though they had their issues and their problems. Paul was like you and I. He saw Jesus, he met him supernaturally, and then he began his life and began his ministry. And again, he was in complete opposition to Jesus, and then he has this supernatural conversion as we see in the book of Acts. And now he's moving forward, and he writes from that platform. He writes from that position, and that's what I like about reading his his chapters and reading the books that he's written and how he's done things. And starting in the book of Acts, you catch his story, and then he goes into Romans and all the way to almost the book of Revelation here is the Apostle Paul. And by the way, I encourage you to develop your own or have your own you know, daily uh, Bible reading plan. Um, Please, I mean, some people, you know, want to read the Bible in a year. If you feel led to do that, that is a great thing to do. You can listen to the Bible in a year, or you can start in the New Testament, which I encourage. I mean, some people try to tackle the Old Testament, and I don't know about you, the Old Testament can scare you <laughs> because there's some all kinds of things going on there that are are in the, the the older covenant that we don't understand. However, I will say this: Genesis, as well as Exodus, are worthy to be read. They have a flow to them. They have have a sequence to them, and then you of course, in the book of Exodus, you're seeing the story of Moses, but again, if you want to read the Old Testament, I encourage you to do that, especially the book of Psalms and Proverbs, I encourage my children continually that daily proverb, and by the way, using other versions, you can use the, I use the New King James, but the Passion Translation, you can use any other translation except the Mormon or the Jehovah Witness Translation, okay, don't, put, don't use those translations, but use this translation of the Word of God. And be creative with it, okay? Some people are listening to the Word of God. Some people are, are, are reading it out loud. I like to read it out loud, and I like to use different versions. But at the same time, I I'm, I'm I just feel impressed to study this man's life because he had a practical revelation of understanding Jesus in a relationship that I want for you and I. And the first thing he did was, as it says here, what laying hold of what Jesus laid a hold of me. That Paul had a revelation of eternal life. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter six verse twelve. He knew Jesus from an eternal perspective. What do you mean by eternal perspective, Pastor? Right. I'm meaning simply this, that we've got to think about the fact that we are eternal beings. And we need to live eternally minded. Not that you know, you're you ready to go to heaven. But notice what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And this is interesting because Timothy, the writer of Timothy, was a mentor. I mean a young uh, apprentice under the mentorship of the Apostle Paul. And notice what he says in verse number 12. Watch this. Fight the good fight of faith. Hello, we all need to hear that, do we not? Lay hold. Everybody say, lay hold. Lay hold of eternal life to that which you were called and have confessed in the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice what it says. Lay hold of eternal life. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? What does you mean? Well, yes, you're to be born again. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you need to receive him in your heart and is your Lord and Savior. I was in Alabama this past week and, and went by the very church where I was born again on October the 16th, 1983 at 6.30 p.m. The corner of Cherry and Elm in Talladega, Alabama, 35160 at Southside Baptist church and that's where I received eternal life and by the way eternal life has never left me I, when I was looking at that Sunday school room, I was reminiscing the fact that that moment at 6.30 when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior based on Romans 10, 9, and 10, He never left me. Eternal life has been deposited inside of you and I. And by the way, that is a good thing. As a matter of fact, just hold your place there. This is not in my notes, but I just feel impressed. Take, the, take to the Ephesians chapter 1, and let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. Watch this. Ephesians 1, 13. Listen to this, talking about eternal life. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, talking about your salvation, in whom you have believed, which I was talking about what happened to me on October the 16th, 1983. Notice what it says at the end of verse 13. It says, You were sealed. Everybody say, Sealed. Seal with the Holy Spirit of promise. What does that mean? Well, I don't know about you, but I was at my grandmother's farm and just reminiscing and there was this big building, not a big building, but it was a modern site, I mean a... Uh, uh, well, it's about the size of one of these rooms over this side. Anyway, this is the area where she did her canning. And I'll never forget, my grandmother was a strong woman. And um, up to 95 years old, she was amazing. And when she would seal that muscadine jelly into those jars, it was amazing. That seal, it was sealed and uh, there was never, just to me, there was never a doubt there was going to get any, anything in that jar as far as, you know, mold or whatever. And I mean, it could sit on that shelf for a year and it'd be as fresh as the day she sealed it. It's just the process of her sealing. And notice what it says here. It says that you and I are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means the moment you were born again, eternal life was imparted to the inside of you. As a matter of fact, when a person goes to be with the Lord, you know what You know what leaves the earth is their spirit. And the Holy Spirit inside of them. Isn't that awesome? The very Spirit that was inside of them is the very Spirit that takes them to heaven. Isn't that beautiful? And you had that living on the inside of you. And the Apostle Paul, he said, lay hold of this eternal life. Lay hold of the life of God. You know, I hear people all the time pray prayers. And it's okay to pray this. Lord, be with me. Lord, be with us. And I understand what they're saying as far as, you know, in the context of Lord, you know, we want your presence in in a a corporate environment or in our home. But he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. Yes, we can grieve him. Yes, he cannot approve of what we're doing. But at the same time, he has sealed us. Everybody say sealed. And I think that is a beautiful thing. It says fight the good fight of faith which, hey, I don't know about you, but it seems like every year that goes forward, we're fighting the good fight of faith, are we not? And it says, lay hold. Everybody again say lay hold. Lay hold of this eternal life to which you were called and have confessed a good confession. You know, I know we're going through all kinds of things and life is what it is, but I think the beautiful thing is the Apostle Paul saying here we've got eternal life. We've got knowing Jesus. We have the spirit of the living God inside of us and we're to be eternally minded. As a matter of fact, go back to uh, Philippians 3. Let me show you something. Philippians 3 verse 20. Uh, Philippians three twenty. Watch this. Uh, this is good news. As a matter of fact, I, I like this. In verse twenty, it says, "For our citizenship is in heaven." Notice that from which we are eagerly wait for the Savior for our, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, "Our citizenship." Thank God for being an American citizen. I'm so thankful for this nation. I'm so thankful for being born here. But I'm telling you what, being born again, being a citizen of the heaven being a citizen of heaven to me is so important you know as, as I was home this past week you know you go go to the cemetery you reflect on your family members that have gone on to be with the Lord but you know what I am so thankful that the citizenship of heaven that I am sealed with and you're sealed with someday we'll all be joined together now we're to live our lives in the fullness of what we're supposed to live but one day we will not be in this world we will be in that world and that world will descend to this world isn't it amazing to, to me if you read the book of revelation how God will bring heaven to the earth they call it the new Jerusalem somebody says have you been to Jerusalem yet I've not been there yet I've got an invitation to go some of us in this church family have been there and some people in our church family have actually lived there and and it's a beautiful place and of course I've 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 watched the videos I've even watched live footage of of that beautiful city however the good news is one day you and I are going to permanently live in that city and that's the new Jerusalem. And we are sealed to do that. And we need to consciously think about that. Thank God for America. Thank God for where we live. Thank God for Burleson, Texas, this city we're in. But thank God for heaven. Thank God that's our home. That's our citizenship. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. As a matter of fact, if you turn back to Philippians chapter 1, I know I'm going through a lot of verses of scripture here, but for the sake of the point here, I love what he said here. He had his mind set on this. Even though he's operating where he is, he had heaven on his mind everybody say heaven on my mind heaven is on your mind because you know god is there and please we're not asking you to leave until you're 100 plus years old okay notice what it says in philippians chapter 1 verse 19 this is talking about the hard time that he was in notice what it says for i know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the holy spirit of jesus christ verse 20 according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing i shall be ashamed boy i like this man's attitude how about you He says this, and nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, everybody say boldness, as always, that Jesus Christ will be magnified in my body. Watch this, whether it's in life or death. Notice verse 21. What an attitude, talking about thinking eternally. He said this in verse 21, For me to live is Jesus, and to die is gain. I mean, most people think that dying is, you know, it's it, it's over with, you're done, you just, it's nothing. I'm telling you what, this man's like, hey, I'm looking forward to dying, and please hear my heart. I'm not wanting anybody to die. I don't want anybody to perish at any age under 100 years old. But notice his attitude in verse number 21 again. For me to live is Jesus, and to die is gain. Notice verse 22, for I, I like this, but if I live on, if I, but if I live on, on in the flesh, this means this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet I shall not choose; I cannot tell. Notice this in verse twenty-three. What an attitude! Talking about eternal life, he said, "I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart to be with Jesus, which is far better." Everybody say, "Far better!" Don't ever, ever, ever grieve anybody that's gone on to be with the Lord. And feel sorry for them. Because I'm telling you, there's no feeling sorry for them. To be with Jesus Christ compared to being in this world, hey, listen, it is truly life at its very best. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm going to miss my iPhone. I'm going to miss my iPad. I'm going to miss Facebook. I'm going to miss Whataburger. I'm going to miss Starbucks. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss that. Listen, no, 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 no. It is far better. Do you understand how far better it is, Brian? No, I do not. But I know this is far better. It is far better. As a matter of fact, a man on, that gave me this ring, his name is Jesse DePlantis. He had a visitation from heaven that I believe was actually true. And some people say they've been to heaven, but I believe it's because of the pizza ate the night before. <laughs> anyway, that's just my opinion. But he had a visitation from heaven. He, he bought me this ring the, when, when Sheila and I were getting married as a gift and a present. But he had a visitation from heaven, and he explained heaven. And by the way, if you never watched his video, Close Encounters of the God Kind, it's worthy of watching. Heaven is not to be feared, it's to be embraced. People are not up there sleeping and floating around and hitting each other with bows and arrows and angels have little fat wings on them or whatever, okay? And it's not, you know, harps going on up there. It's life, it's activity, it's another world. God is not asleep, he's on his throne. Things are happening people are alive people are doing things it says they're looking over the banister and looking down to us and saying hey if you could see what I see and if you could feel what I'm feeling life is good here get your life in order there because when you get here it's going to get even better type mentality don't grieve for me I'm not in that grave you can go to that you know marking and that may have my body there as far as dust and dirt but hey my spirit's here this is the real me I'm on the other side with the king of kings and the lord of lords and notice what the apostle Paul says again he He said, I am hard-pressed between two, having a a desire to depart, to be with Jesus, which is far better. Notice verse 24. He says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He had you on his mind. I thank God that he stayed in the flesh. Because you know what? We wouldn't have the rest of the New Testament. But notice this. It says in verse 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue for." continue with all of you for your progress and joy of faith and ladies and gentlemen that's what we need to look at eternal life is inside of us there is a spiritual force on the inside of you and it is powerful it is the spirit of the living God it is God himself and he has done that for a purpose and when you lay hold of that kind of mentality you no longer look at yourself as a human being but as a supernatural person because you are and people that are not born again they do not have Have a supernatural presence about them they're dark they're absolutely dark I mean we have to remember there are two kinds of people in the earth they're not republicans or democrats or conservatives or liberals there are believers and people that have the seal of the Holy Spirit and there are people that don't and if you get in a crowd with people that do not have the the spirit of Jesus Christ you know it you can sense it, you can feel it and if you're not feeling it or sensing it hey turn on your switch And start feeling and start sensing. And by the way, people that sin, people that act ugly, people that are carnal. Now, some Christians can be carnal. But most people that are devious and demonic are not born-again believers. They're filled with the devil. They're sealed. If they die in that moment, they're going to hell, not to heaven. And we have to remember that. There is a difference. And when you look at people like that, you're thinking, I don't want anybody to perish and go to hell. Hell is a horrible place. And so I want to bring eternal life to them. I want to minister to them. I want to help them come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior like I did when I was 19 years old. I was an idiot at 19. (laughs) And most 19-year-olds think, man, I've arrived, I know everything, i got it all together. No, you do not. You do not. You're only about 10 years from wiping you, you know what? Because your parents were doing it. Hello, you say, Pastor Brian, that's some blunt preaching, But it's the truth. It amazes me how Jonathan Moore teaches some of the most brilliant, arrogant, self-confident young people, and yet they are dumb at the Burleson High School. But they think they know everything, do they not? They think they could go to NASA and launch a rocket. They couldn't launch a kite, much less a rocket. But when you get 25, and when you get 35, and when you get 45, and when you begin to read this book, not as a book of history of theology, but as a revelation, everybody say revelation. And when you get a revelation of this, like this man had, you begin to get your eyes off of something far greater than what you're seeing right now. Listen, the Bible says when you leave this earth, you're taking nothing with you as far as natural things. But you are taking the seal of God. And whatever you did on this earth for the Lord is that's what you're taking with you and oh my what a glorious reuniting of the very things that we believe in when we reunite with God boy I'm doing some good preaching this morning anyway turn to Romans chapter 8 there's the second thing I want to share with you and uh and I give the lord the credit for all this it's not me preaching it's his it's just the it's this heaven to earth relationship that we have I'm beginning to see as you turn to Romans chapter 8 That we are no longer by ourselves We are no longer functioning on our own Heaven is real, heaven is authoritative God is not mocked God is going to win, he always has And he always will Okay. We may think it's the darkest hour for this And the darkest hour for that But I want you to know Jesus is our redeemer He's not just our savior, he's our redeemer And people that don't know him, they're going to suffer. People who know him need to press towards him. Romans 8, verse what it says in verse 1. It says there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Holy Spirit. And you and I, believers, have a responsibility to lay the flesh aside. We don't need to yield to the flesh. Who wants to yield to the flesh? I'll never forget the first time I went to Las Vegas and... um, uh, again, we was passing through there with the ministry I work for. And uh, they give you a little, you know, sample coins in the hotel to go down. And so I went down. We were, you know, man, the buffets are awesome and, and, and the casinos, okay, and the hotel rooms are great. And so, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's all a ploy to get you to gamble. So they gave a little coins, and I'm going down there. I unloaded, unloaded all our stuff. A crew's up in there, and we're going to assemble downstairs, go to the buffet, and then uh, get ready to move on. Anyway, so I went to the little slot machines, and I played them. I started putting my little coins in there, and, man, I started having the little winnings. And you could just feel it coming on you like a coat. This is, man, maybe I could go do this again one more time, just one more time, just one more time. And you could feel that pull. And I said, no, I'm not going to do this. But I began to walk around and look, and I could see that pull on so many people. My daddy says, it is a pull. My daddy played the machines. They, they kicked him out of the casinos in Mississippi because what he would do, he would play a different machine and he would win and then move on to the next machine. So he got this pattern where he was winning all the time. And boy, they caught on to that and they moved him right along. I said, you, you're bound from this, Mr. Jacobs, because he, had, he figured out the formula. But there is an addiction to it. And my point is, why do we want to be addicted to the world in its ways? Because that will destroy you. I'll never forget Richard You know, was doing financial counseling with Mr. Anderson, this man. He gambled. He had a great job, if I ref- remember the story. Richard can clarify it more. But he gambled, basically, his entire, he gambled himself into debt. And, of course, Richard and, and Mr. Anderson worked out a plan to get him out of debt, had a good job, and he did. I believe he disciplined himself to get out of debt, but the addiction was there. And and in my own life, my dad used to bet on football, and he had men that would lose everything to this addiction to the world. And we don't need to yield to the flesh. We need to yield to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is freedom. Everybody say freedom. And the flesh is not freedom. Notice what verse 2 says. It says, for the law, everybody say the law, the law the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made us, past tense, free from the laws of sin and death. That is good news, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that you and I are made free from the law. Now, by the way, if someone doesn't know the Lord, they're not made free from the law. There is a law of death out there. And the law of sin and death works against a person and will work in a person's life that doesn't know the Lord. I mean, John F. Kennedy, bless his heart, great leader, great president, great man. But he had a terrible personal problem. And we all know what that was. It wasn't gambling. It wasn't... Other things that we think it might be, he just could not stay faithful to his wife. And look what happened to him. It eventually caught up with him. You say that that's what killed him? I don't know if that's what killed him necessarily. I'm not here to you know, get in a conspiracy theory about that. But at the same time, all I know is this. There was a law of death working in John F. Kennedy's life. And that law of death will destroy you if you do not repent, if you do not yield. Going back to verse 1, it says that those who walk according to the flesh, when we don't walk according to the flesh, according to the Spirit, we, are, we have no con- condemnation. I mean, John F. Kennedy was a condemned man. He knew that what was not right. I saw a movie about him a couple of months ago, and I mean, he struggled with this. But again, he, he kept yielding to the flesh. He kept yielding to it, and it cost him his life, and it cost him his freedom, and it cost him peace. Because i always say this, love is greater than lust. Love is always greater than lust. Lust is fulfilling for a moment, but love is satisfying for a lifetime, in my opinion. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about our freedom in Jesus Christ. Another freedom is over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14. This is another thing that the Apostle Paul had a revelation of that we need a revelation of, and that is the freedom from fear. If I say freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. This is so important. This this bondage of being afraid and worrying and thinking, man, everything's going to collapse around me. Listen, if you're trusting God, God's going to bring you out eventually. It may not be at the time you want, but he is always going to bring you out. And it may be ahead of schedule. I don't know. God doesn't work on a the clock. There's no timers, there's no cell phones, and there's no iPads in heaven. And even though we think that there might be. <laughs> so they just don't work on that. But at the same time, notice what it says here in Hebrews two fourteen. This is talking about Jesus. He said through death that Jesus destroyed. Everybody say destroyed. Destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released, this is verse 15 of Hebrews 2 15, and released, everybody say released, and released those in the, released us, and released those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And I'm telling you what, bondage of fear is a terrible thing, and some people suffer for a lifetime. I love my mother. I love her so much. I'm, it's beyond words as a son should love her mother. But I'm telling you, what, she is a world champion worrier. How many times on this trip did I hate, hear this phrase? I'm worrying about this, and I'm worrying about that, and I'm going behind her and say, "Mother, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about. Well, if I worry about it, if I worry about, mommy, you don't have to worry about this. As a matter of fact, don't worry about it because I'm going to take care of it. And uh, I did things to help her. I, you know, paid for things, did whatever. I said, you don't have to worry about it. No, well, I got to worry about you now. No, you don't have to worry about me. Just don't worry. Stop the worrying. Stop it, mother. Stop it. And, and uh, because look what it says here. It says that, that through Jesus, we've been released from the fear of that. But if you don't release yourself from it, it says it can be a lifetime of bondage. And the apostle Paul knew that. He not only said, I've got to let go of my past. I've got to let go of what people think of me now. I've got to let go of the reputation I have right now as this man writing all these letters, instructing all these Christians and and building all these leaders and developing this Christianity in a Roman society. He had to walk away from the fact of what people thought about him and said, listen, I don't care what they think. I am going to do what I am called to do the way I should do it, and I'm going to press for it, and I'm going to be the very person that God has called me to be, regardless of what society says, regardless of what the fear of all this can be upon me I mean listen when you're writing these letters from jail that would have effect on you would it not I mean jail is not a happy place incarceration is not a fun place but the apostle Paul made the best out of it and he said I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to keep pressing forward and God is going to vindicate me God is going to protect me and when it's all said and done my life is going to count even though I don't understand what I'm going through and now history is proving him out has it not He is one of the greatest leaders of Christianity. But at the time, he had to battle the most insecurity. The battle of the fact that, am I doing the right thing? And what about my peers? What about my past? What about society right now? What about all this upheaval? What about this and what about that? I'm telling you what, he kept pressing through. He said Jesus was my redeemer and that God can be trusted, Jesus can be trusted. And whatever I'm going through, he's redeemed me from it. That I'm not bound to sin or sickness or anything satanic. He's the redeemer. He's my savior. He's my Lord. And I'm going to keep moving forward with him. Finally, number three, and that is that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And the apostle Paul knew that. He said, Thank God for the disciples that walked with him. Thank God for the revelation of the visitation he had. But he saw something in the book of Acts. And he didn't write the book of Acts necessarily, but he was a part of the book of Acts, and that's what Gant began his journey. He saw in the, his beginning of his walk with the Lord the power of God being inside of you and I. Turn to Acts chapter 1 real quickly, and I'm going to close with this, and we'll pick it up and move forward. Acts chapter 1, we have got to move back to the fact, in my opinion as a pastor and as a leader, that the revelation of God within is the most important revelation you need to have. God is inside of you and I as a believer. And again, as I go back to the world, remember the world in its ways. Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, you got to understand, they're, they're, they're the world. It's demonic, it's what some people are filled with. I mean, some people are filled and possessed with devils. Oh, I don't believe that, Pastor Brian. It is true. Devils don't don't live in foreign countries. They live right in America. They could be your next-door neighbor. (laughs) I'm just kidding, not saying that in in a mean way. But seriously, people that yield themselves. I mean, I've had a lot of people here locally. You think, you know, Burleson, good old boy USA. Man, there's some people that are not right with God at all. And by the way, pride is a very bad thing. Oh, listen, man, I got, you know, I don't, you know, I make my own way. I'm my own boss. And, you know, what I make happen, I make happen. And if, if, if I can't get it done, it won't be done. Well, listen, if that's the attitude you want to have, fine. But I want to partner with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created the earth. And by the way, the one who is smarter than I am. And he has not only came to the earth. In, in his form of his son, but he gave me his own spirit. Oh, I think it's awesome. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 1. Look at it. We're going to just begin some things here. Because I think we need a revelation of the understanding of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, notice what it says in verse number 5. Jesus said, you will be, John, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what was Jesus prophesying or saying? He's saying there's a time that is coming that no longer are you going to be alone. You're going to have the very power, the very presence where you're not in fear, where you're not in worry, where you're not, you know, woe is me or uh, I'm not going to make it. No, there's a power. Everybody say power. Come on now, notice what it says in verse 8. Jesus said, you shall receive what? Power. Everybody say power. Power Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness. Not hiding in a cave. Not running from the battle. Listen, David didn't run from the battle and he didn't have the Holy Spirit within him. But you and I have the Holy Spirit within us. We're not to be running from anything. We're to be running towards it. Not in fear. I'm not in... Listen, I respect sickness and disease for what it is. But I'm not going to let... Let my mind say sickness and disease is greater than my covenant with God. I'll never say that. I'll never forget. I went to the Hawaii one time. I was traveling in my traveling days with churches, and uh, oh, it was uh, it's beautiful to go out in the water. And I went out in the water, and um, uh, I was I was we were past a point there where I, was, I thinking, man, we need to get back here. We were snorkeling, and then all of a sudden, I was getting tired, and the water, the current was pulling me to the ocean. And I'm thinking, either I am going to get into fear, or I'm going to get into faith. Either I'm going to live, or either I'm going to die. And I'm telling you what, I was a young man at what, I was around in my mid, what, 30s at that time. And I said, no, I've got my life ahead of me. I am going to live and not die. And so, my partner, I turned to this pastor, I said, listen, we have got to make it to that rock. And the current is getting stronger and pushing us out. And so I said, I'm going to swim to that rock as hard as I can, and you got to do the same thing. And so, I mean, it was pushing us out, so I started swimming as hard as I could. I was pressing towards that, and all I kept thinking inside of myself is the power in the name of Jesus Christ to get me this 50 yards from here to there, moving in that current. And then all of a sudden, the first 25, it was hard. Then the last 25, I felt this supernatural hand just, boom! Put me to that rock and then all of a sudden I slammed right into that rock and I was on top of that rock. And it's supernatural. It was supernatural. But I thought to myself, after I got out on the beach, I thought, man, I ain't going to the ocean again. <laughs> number one, I remember Jaws dun, 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 dun. number two, I had respect for the currents. And by the way, I went back down to that ocean and you know I got into the water about up to up to here. Then I got to about right here and I said, I'm not going any further. Because I respect that current. I respect what that force can do, but I am not going to play with that. I'm not going to yield to that, and I'm not going to be afraid of that. As a matter of fact, all that night in the hotel, I thought about I could have died, I could have died. What should I have done? Uh, That's why the next day I told the pastor, I said, listen, I want to go back down to the beach. I want to get back in the water. I want to face my fear. I want to talk to the fear. And I'm telling you what, the power of the Holy Spirit helps you. And now I can look at a beach scene or whatever. not heavy. Listen, I thought I was going to die there for a moment. At a split second. So I have respect for the natural laws. But I have respect to the fact that I won't compromise myself. And the fact of number two, I am going to believe in the presence and the power of God. i never forget when our, our, my young nephew, Lambden, he was coming out of Ms. Blanca's house one time during the holidays. And I was way down at the end of the street. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing him fly out of the house. And I could just see it like he was in front of me. I mean, like a, a movie. And I'm like almost 100 yards away. And I just see him flying out of that house and he's moving down that driveway and here comes a car coming towards me and coming towards him. And I'm thinking, man, he is that car is going to hit him because they can't see him. And he is just moving towards that. And all of a sudden, I didn't scream, oh my God, or a cuss word or whatever. Just, just rose out of me. I just screamed it in the name of Jesus, No as loud and as bold as I could. And all of a sudden, I went from 100 yards away. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, I'm standing there right there next to him. I just like I'm, I was propelled in 100 yards. And listen, I mean, I can you know, run and do that kind of thing. But no, this wasn't running. This wasn't fast walking. This was supernatural. All because of what? I laid hold of the power of God inside of me. It wasn't God's will for Lambden to be killed that day. It wasn't God's will for him to be hit or hurt or even destroyed in any capacity. He is my family. He is to live a long, strong, healthy life. And his cat, Mitter wants him to live forever. (laughs) The family knows what that is. My point with all that is, how are you going to embrace it? Are you going to embrace it in the power of God or are you going to embrace it in the power of fear? I mean, I could have said, oh, no, he's going to die. No, no, no. He lived. He lived long and he lived strong and he's a beautiful, healthy young man today. Not because of me, but because of God's hand and because of God's words flowing out of my life. No, in the name of Jesus is powerful. And you and I have this power inside of us and I think we need to tap into this power and not into reasoning. You can watch the news, you can listen to others, you can scroll through Facebook and you can have your opinions and it's all good to do all that, but there comes a place where God's present, God's power and God's person and God the inside of me is greater than all of this. And I'm going to choose to follow him. And I'm going to choose to live my life moving forward. That's what the Apostle Paul did. And he had to face the same political, emotional uh, pressure that you and I face today. I think he faced it even harder because of his society, because how militant they were. And he did it, so can you and I. And so I just want to leave you and pray with you about this. Listen, we're going to move forward. We're not going to look back. We're not going to say, oh, woe is me. We're going to look towards our Lord and our Savior. We have been divinely deposited with power, with gifts, with peace, with the presence of God. We are not to fail, but we're to flourish And I know life is hard. Life is unfun sometimes as far as things that happen. But at the same time, I'm not going to just quit and lay down. I'm going to trust God concerning these situations. I'm going to trust that the power of God and the presence of God is greater than the enemy that's against me. How about you? And that if God did it for the Apostle Paul, he's more than willing to do it for you and I. And the Apostle Paul was just a man, but he was a man yielded, a man submitted, and he was not afraid of what he was facing. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for redeeming me. But thank you so much for giving me your peace, your presence, your power through the Holy Spirit. What a gracious gift And I receive it now concerning everything I am facing, everything I'm dealing with. I seek that wisdom. I seek that power. I seek your presence. In Jesus, your mighty name. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you need prayer of agreement about anything, we want to pray with you. Contact us at MetroplexFamilyChurch.com. And again, anything you need specifically, Jesus has redeemed our bodies from sin and sickness and everything satanic. But you've got to believe that. You've got to exercise that. Some people are watching me right now. They're dealing with things in their bodies. I want you to know, I don't run from it, attack it. Maybe you need to go to a doctor. Maybe you need to have things checked out. Find you a doctor of faith, but also find you a place of faith. And we want to help you in faith to walk by faith because faith will win the victory over that situation. Medically and physically and emotionally. There's peace in these promises. There's peace in the power of God. And there's peace in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, just ask and let Him come into your heart. There's a supernatural prayer language that comes with that. There's supernatural wisdom and impartation through the Holy Spirit. It's not a charismatic Pentecostal weird thing. It is a God thing. And God wants to give you that gift. He wants you to have that gift. And without that gift, I don't think you can really be the very best you can be. I, don't, I know you can't. But with that gift, you can be everything God's called you to be. And I want to encourage you, church family. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not Casper the Friendly Ghost. He is a person. He is a person, and He lives on the inside of you. And you may think, well, I'm just going through normal days at work or school or whatever. Can the Holy Spirit lead God and direct in all this busyness of all this in life? Let Him speak to you. Let Him guide you. Practice His presence. Maybe you need to hear His voice, and, and certain times, you know, when you're supposed to go to a store and you're not supposed to go to a store. Sometimes when you need to go here and you're not supposed to be here. Practicing the presence of God. You've got to learn how to pray, And when you practice it in the little things, the bigger things will begin to unfold. Maybe you do need to apologize to someone. Maybe you don't need to be as harsh or gruff. Maybe you need to hold your peace. Maybe you do need to write things right with someone. I can't answer all that. And I know people can frustrate and aggravate you. Listen, I, I love my mother. She's watching today. I love you, mother. And I didn't mean to talk about you and you're worrying, but you need to stop that. Anyway, but at the same time, thank you, Allison, for helping get Granny on Facebook. Anyway, she's all, now, now when I call her, well, you, you're embarrassing me by talking about me. So we're not embarrassed. We all love you. So we love you, Granny absolutely i wouldn't be here if it weren't for you so my point with all that is that don't ever don't ever in the middle of frustration don't ever say well god can't do it because god can god can god can do supernatural things i was at home taking care of my parents and they had a lot of things to take care of and a lot of things to work on but i'm telling you what i'm so thankful to this church family my washing machine or dryer, excuse me, just was not working. We've had it repaired and repaired and repaired. I prayed over it. I fussed at it. Didn't cuss at it, but I fussed at it anyway. But uh, it just would not work. And then church family bought me a new one, bought us a new one. And uh, I'm so thankful for that, that as I was taking care of my family, I was getting taken care of. And I want you to know God is good. He's so good if you allow him to help you. You know, I just... Went and said listen Sheila We'll just deal with it when we get back As far as this dryer goes And all of a sudden it came back home as a new dryer And you know just the beauty of those things And understanding those things Because God wants to help you And as you make things happen for others And the, and, and the inner, inner witness of the Holy Spirit Leads you to do things for others uh, It's amazing what God will help you do I mean I, I went to Alabama Focused to help my parents Not just because they're my parents that they're human beings that need the help and they really do. I mean, they helped me when I was in my y- youth and had to have help. And now I want to, in turn, help them. It's, it's right to do that. And God wants you to know that if you take care of this, he'll take care of that. He's proven that to me as I move into this year. And again, I just want to encourage you, listen, your labor of love is not to be belittled. When you think that you're, you know, well, I'm just not seeing the victory in this situation. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let God be God. I'm so thankful for His presence. I'm so thankful for His person. And I want you to know that He can be trusted whatever you're going through. Don't ever doubt Him. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we just pause right now to thank You. I just... Since somebody's out there right now saying hey you just don't know my situation it is beyond fixing well I want you to know it is not beyond fixing he is faithful to fix it he is the master of fixing it and he will fix it if you'll let him sometimes we need to take our hands off things and put it let his hand be on many years ago I was sort of not griping at the Lord but I was questioning why this wasn't happen, happening the way I thought it should happen and I heard this phrase deep within my, my spirit, if you will take your hand off of it, my hand can go on it. Wow, that little phrase changed my life. And sure enough, when I took my hand off that situation, Amy Miller was knew what it was, is that bus situation. And it was a terrible situation financially. It was an awkward situation for me. But when I took my hand off of it, Richard, God put his hand on it. And by the way, what I tried to do in three years, God did in exactly 14 months. 14 months, turned the whole situation around. After three years of my trying to make it happen myself. So you know what, I, don't, I just that, that story just popped up inside of me. Some of you need to let God's hand be on that situation. Whatever you're feeling and dealing with as you walk out of this auditorium, let his hand be on that. And by the way, it may not be 14 months. It could be 14 days. It could be 14 minutes. It could be 14 seconds if you'll give it to him. He is the master. And by the way, that was another person involved in that situation. That person had to repent, Richard, and make things right. And they had a dream from God that very week that I gave it to the Lord. And they repented, called me and this other guy, and we made it right with the attorneys. And there the money came, and Pastor Nichols was paid back his money, and God turned that whole situation around. It's $35,000 that I had to pay back to my pastor in a loan. And I did it, and it was all done. And the reason I say all that is because I receive a check. Once a month for the church from Pastor Harold Nichols' account, it says Harold Nichols in behalf of his son, it's his son's account, we would receive $100. And you know where that money comes from, Amy? It comes from that account where that money was put in, the money that I got back, all because I let God be God and put his hand on it. But Pastor Nichols told me to forget about the $35,000, consider it as a gift. Now, I'll never forget. I said, Pastor, I love you and respect you. That's a nice gesture, but God is not going to be taken. That money is going to be yours to your families. Little did I know that I'd be getting that money back here and putting it back in this church. And I take that very $100 and we turn around and sow it into missions every month. That $100, I specifically want that $100, Mr. Anderson, into missions because that is honoring God, because God honored me. I took my hand off of. He said, what's that story about, Pastor Martin? It's about you taking your hand off of it. (laughs) So what are you facing today? Get your hand off of it and let his hand be on it. He can turn it around and live for it.